0: Well, good morning everybody. Glad to have you guys here with us. Who's excited to be here today? Anybody? Wow, well, I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. My name is Jeff Baker. I am one of the pastors on staff, and it's a joy to be serving here at New Life. Uh, I'm so excited to be, to be here today, in fact, because we're making a big shift today in our teaching series. It's going to be a blast. Um, I also want to say hello to all those that are worshiping with us down in the venue today and all the guests that might be with us there, as well as what inc- the incredible things God's doing out in the North Platte campus. And I want to say hello to all of you as well. So if you're new with us today, we are one church in multiple locations— um, we actually have three different venues where people worship at 10:45 at the exact same time. Um, so that might be why, um, why that was why I was actually greeting them. Excuse me, down in the gym as well as down in North Platte. So uh, it's kind of unique. Uh, it's some amazing technology that we have, and we're continuing to uh, pray about and look at how God might want to expand our church into even other locations in the future, as uh, as God deems necessary. So, anyways, we're just trying to be faithful with what God's given us and grow, grow what we have. So, thank you for coming. Glad you guys are glad you guys are here. Um, and we're going to get started today. First thing I want to draw your attention to really quick, though, is uh, a marriage seminar that we've got coming up on May 28th. Now, you probably heard about it in all the venues at the announcement time, but what I want you to know is the people that are coming are dear friends of mine. They are close friends of mine, Walt and Melba Hooker. Uh, they're pastors from Bellevue Christian Center. Uh, I've probably known them since 91 or 92. They've been longtime friends of mine, and I would have them fill this pulpit here at New Life on any given Sunday. It's that caliber of person. So I definitely want you to come, all right? Uh, come join it, hang out with us. You do realize, right, that uh, a marriage seminar, this one-day type of a thing, it's not for marriages that are screwed up. Oh, it can help marriages that have problems, but it's, a, it's about investing into your marriage. If you feel like your marriage is healthy, then go and invest into it because that's how you keep a healthy marriage. You keep a healthy marriage by investing into it. This is one way that, uh, that you can do that. Um, Another thing that we've got coming up is Easter. Easter is going to be the first Sunday in April. Man, I'm so excited about it. It's going to be a blast. Putting together a a smoking good sermon, all right? I mean, I think you can say it that way, all right? Really cool. It's going to be awesome about about the cross, but I need your help with it, okay? Are you ready? I need your help. I need you to get crafty, all right? I need you... Some of you men to get, you know, get your weld happening, right? And get your wood out and get your power tools out. I need a bunch of crosses, small crosses, like twenty inches tall is the maximum height. They can be shorter than that, but I want each cross to represent your spiritual journey. What would your if you had to build a cross to represent your spiritual journey, what would it look like? Would it be nice and smooth? Would it be multiple colors? Would it be made out of metal and be really rough with a bunch of spurs coming off of it? Um, Would it have, would it be a cross that's riddled with holes? I mean, what would your cross look like? Would it, would it be spray painted gold? You know, would it be black? What would your cross look like if it was going to represent your spiritual journey? And I want you to build one. Now, not everybody, that's too many people, but I want those of you that would help me do this to build one. Um, And what we're going to do is we're going to put them on the, on the, on the stage here in the main auditorium down in the venue, as well as in North Platte. So this goes for all three venues. Whichever venue you attend is where your cross will go. We're going to put that cross on the stage, and it's going to sit up here with me during the entire sermon. All these different crosses, all these different looks, they represent all these different types of spiritual journeys. At the end of the, uh, the morning on Easter, in all of our venues, we're going to invite people that want to follow Christ to come down to the front. We want to pray for them. And as we pray for them, um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to, we're not publicly like from me up on the stage, but with some of our people that are praying with those that have come that day, they're going to pick out one of the crosses that they feel best represents that person. And they're going to give it to them so that, that that person can walk out of here with this tangible item to be reminded of this commitment that they've made to Christ. So I need, I need your help. Build a cross. Can't be, it can't be taller than 20 inches. It can be shorter than 20 inches. And it needs to kind of reflect your spiritual journey so that maybe we can give it away to someone else and help them remember the commitment that they made to Christ this Easter. So if you're going to help me make one of these crosses, which I'm going to need a number of them, okay? So uh, don't think someone else is going to do it so you won't. No, just jump in and do it. But I want you to contact the church office or email me and let me know that you're going to be building the cross. And then I would really kind of like to know what you think your cross is going to kind of look like, okay? Okay. Um, and if you want to, you can even go on and explain why you think that cross is going to look that way. You can give as much or as little information as you want to, but please join with me as we endeavor to create uh, an environment on, on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, where people give their life to Jesus and they're radically transformed and changed. Amen? Okay, good. I need your help in all the venues. That goes for North Platte and the gym. So here's the deal. Today we're in essentials and we're making a transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So this is your if this is your first week with us, we have, we've, we've gone through some of the top 50 readings in the Old Testament. We're getting ready to start this week to go through the top 50 Bible passages in the New Testament now. So if this is your first week, congratulations because you're at, you're here at a perfect time. You're here when we're we're driving into this new phase of this teaching series. So you can just jump in and join us and follow this thing out for these next number of weeks. For the next 10 weeks, we'll be preaching out of the New Testament as we look at these you know, top readings of the New Testament, the essentials of the New Testament that you, you really have to kind of get to know. Uh, we're going to kind of process through uh, many of those together. So uh, jump in with us. The Bible readings are listed in your bulletin. You can go there. You can see you know, where we're reading on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Just jump in and join us. It's going to be a blast. Today, I want to talk to you about faith to serve, though. It requires faith to serve God, all right? And I know that many times when we mention the word faith, we instantly also only think of the faith that's required to believe in God, but you do realize that faith is activated in a lot of different ways of life, right? I mean, you realize that it requires a faith to be somewhat adventurous, such as if you're gonna do one of these things. If you're gonna bungee jump, that requires some faith, faith in the person who made the cord, faith in the person who hooked you up, You know, faith to believe that I am, am I overweight to do this? Because when I get to the bottom, you know, how many people have jumped on this thing? Because when when it stretches out, I want to make sure it brings me back. So that's kind of crazy. Or, you know, even the faith that it takes to jump out of a perfectly good working airplane. Right? And just believe that, you know, it's all going to be okay. And we're going to jump out of this thing and that parachute's going to open. Right? So who packed it? Which one of you packed it? Right? Right? Uh, how many times have you packed it? How many times have you done this? I mean, you're going gonna, gonna, gonna to ask some questions, but pretty soon it's going to come to the moment where you just got to bail out of the plane. So faith is used in ways of adventure and you know, getting you kind of out the door of a plane or into a moment where maybe you wouldn't put yourself naturally. But there's also misguided faith. And misguided faith can get people into some very harmful, dangerous positions, such as the misguided faith of following a cult leader, you know, to where everyone commits suicide. That's misguided faith. It does require, by the way, a lot of faith to believe what that person's saying is true, although it's just misguided. Or what about this? The faith to believe that we came from absolutely nothing. I know you thought it was, I know you thought that we didn't have the right picture up there, but (laughs) we have the right picture. The faith to believe that everything that we have and all that we experience and everything you feel, touch, and see came from this. That requires a lot of faith to come up with that kind of understanding or to have that type of belief. I see that as misguided faith based on God's Word. But then there's the faith in God, the faith that gives you hope, the hope that there is life after this. That even when you face death itself, there is life beyond this because of the power of the cross and of God's word. And then last but not least, the faith to put your life into the hands of Jesus. Wow. All of those things require faith. Obviously, the faith we're talking about today is a faith in the sovereign God, a faith in a holy God. A faith in a God that can do all things. We're talking about that kind of faith, but you do realize today that faith always causes you to be someone that you could never be without faith. Faith will cause you in an adventure sense to do things you would never do. Faith would cause you in a misguided thing, in a way, to believe things you would never believe. But faith in God will also cause you to become someone that you never could be without it. My challenge to all of us today is to have the kind of faith that empowers you to maximize this life and to live it completely and solely for God himself. So what kind of faith do you have today? If your faith had to be defined, what would it look like? Are you living your life with the kind of faith that's following God that, you know, your life has enough evidence that you would be guilty if on trial for your Christianity? Do you have enough faith that You know, you're building up that type of evidence in this world. That's one big question. Do you have that kind of faith? Another big question I have for you is, have you ever, like, pondered, what's God's plan for my life? What is God's plan for my life? What's God's call for my life? Like, I I have a hard time, Jeff. I struggle with knowing what God's plan and what God's call is for my life. If you've ever been in that place, today's message is for you. Because I want to help you understand that Most of life is lived not clearly understanding all of God's plan and his call. The majority of our life is lived in faith serving him, the king. And in faith serving him day by day, God's ultimate plan gets fulfilled in your life. In fact, God has this interesting way of taking a person that just is living by faith putting their complete hope and trust in him and bringing them straight into the crosshairs of his plan and his call on their life. And today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1. And that's exactly what happens for two different groups of people. You have Zechariah and Elizabeth. Right, Zechariah is a priest. Elizabeth is his wife. These guys are older in life. They're older in life. Zechariah is serving God as a priest and an angel comes and visits him and says, Zechariah, um, listen, God's heard your prayer, and even in your old age, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him John. And this son of yours isn't going to be like any other normal kid. He's going to be like a prophet. He's going to be one who goes before the Messiah, and he prepares the hearts of the people for Jesus, the message of Jesus to be preached, and for people to receive it. Wow. I mean, that's awesome. We refer to Zechariah and Elizabeth's son as John the Baptist, John the Baptist. He's the one who went before Jesus, and he's proclaiming this great message of this Messiah that is to come. It's an awesome, it's an awesome story. you got to read Luke chapter 1 to really wrap your head and your heart around it. But here's this man who's been living his life, and he has no kids. He's got no one to really transfer, you know, his lineage onto, and in the latter years of his life, God answers his prayer. That's, that's a lot of faith to continue being faithful for God, even when you don't see your prayer being answered. But then we also have in this passage of Luke chapter 1, Mary. Mary, who becomes the mother of Jesus, this young teenager who is a virgin who's living her life pure before God, who's just trying to follow God to the best of her ability and be faithful, as she rocks herself straight into the crosshairs of becoming the mother of Jesus. Wow. Wow. I guarantee you what didn't happen was some angel sometime before this tells her when she's seven years old, hey, when you get a little older, you're going to become the mother of Jesus. Oh, good. I'm glad I got the plan. I'm glad I got the call. Glad I know what I'm doing. No, all she had was, I know who God is. I know what honors God, and I'm going to live my life to honor him. Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't know that their son was going to be John the Baptist, They didn't have that call. They didn't have that plan. All they knew was live faithful before God. Live faithful before God. And God walks them straight into the crosshairs. So you know what's gonna happen for you today? I think what's gonna happen for you today is I'm gonna take a little bit of the weight off of your shoulders. Because when people don't know what God's plan or what God's call is on their life, sometimes because it's so serious and they, they wanna honor God with a sincere heart that they do nothing until some moment when the heavens open up and God speaks to them. And I'm telling you today, Those are the few and far between moments. The moments that make make you get to the place where you're fulfilling God's plan and His call on your life are the little things done every single day. It's faith in action. It's faith to serve God. That's where we find ourselves in Luke chapter 1 today, and we're going to start adding some building blocks in the New Testament now to this foundation that's behind me as we keep adding one truth upon another truth out of God's Word, these essential truths. The first essential truth is this: You are never too old. You're never too old for God to use you. Um, look with me in uh, Luke chapter one, verse eighteen, as we're talking about Zechariah. It says that Zechariah said to this angel that came to him, "How can I be sure that this will happen? This son is going to be born." For watch what he says: "I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years." Notice, men. You now this marriage seminar we got coming up. Notice. Who gets called old here? The guy does. How does he refer to the woman? Well Well along in years. All right, wise, very wise. That's bonus material for you, okay? All right, bonus material. If you want to know, this issue was alive, even back then, evidently, because no matter what translation you read it in, Zechariah never calls his wife old. It's always, well along in years, or something like that. That's very honoring, flowerly, flowerly, that's not even a word, is it? It smells good, all right? It smells good. So, all right, bonus material. That's not the point of the, of the story. The point of the story is this. Old age doesn't matter to God doesn't matter how old you are, right? It doesn't matter how many, how many seconds is now off of your ability to run the 40. Um, it doesn't matter how many weights you've had to drop the bench press. It doesn't matter whether your push-ups now have gone to, you have to do them from your knees to get them done. It doesn't matter whether your sit-ups have gone to one a day out of the bed <laughs> or it's slipped to two or three with additional naps in the afternoon. It doesn't matter... You're never too old. You never work your way out of God's plan by age. The only way that happens is by working your way off of this earth into God's kingdom. And that's going to happen in a moment where you and me slip into into the grip of death. And we move on into a better life to be with God. So we have to live our lives all of our days to leave a legacy for Jesus. So listen to me, young and old. Live your life to leave a legacy for Jesus. That's why we have this ministry called Legacy. It's for those that are 60, 65, and older. It's designed to help you leave a legacy for Christ. So many people want to leave a legacy of finances or a legacy of this or that. I'm telling you, all those things are great and they're fine, but leave a legacy of Jesus. Finish stronger than you started. One thing became true to me this week, and that is as long as you have breath, you have purpose on Thursday at 6 30 in the morning, my last grandparent, my grandma, uh, grandma Shelton is what we affectionately call her. She passed away at the age of 91. And so this week we'll be heading to St. Louis for a funeral and all the family will be, be coming together. Um, a little bit before this moment, she was given two weeks to live. And when my grandmother at 91 was given two weeks to live, you want to know what some of the first words out of her mouth were? Well, I know one thing. I know that God has one more person that he wants me to witness to. One more person he wants me to share Jesus with. That is a le- that's a legacy of leaving Jesus. That you know what that says to this grandson? Preach with all your heart today. While you have breath, let people know about the good news of Jesus. And that when I'm given you got 2 weeks Don't just curl up in a ball and go, oh, I only got two weeks left. Go, well, God, I guess you got one more person you want me to share my life with. And with that hospice nurse, tears running down her face as my grandmother shares Jesus with her. And that's how she went out. And I'm just saying to you, that's that's what it means. You're never too old to be used by God, even if you've been given a two-week notice. Amen? That's the faithfulness of our God. So don't give up and just walk away. Or don't give up when life slows down. We need you. If you're older here, don't give up just because life slows down. And please, by all means, don't just drift away before the final play of life is done. Don't drift away. Stay engaged in the game. Stay engaged in your faith. Stay engaged in sharing the good news of Jesus with people. All the way until your final breath. Well, that's Zechariah's side of the story of Luke chapter 1. But then you have Mary, just the opposite, this young teenager, finds out that she's going to be pregnant with, with the Messiah, with Jesus now that we know. Man, she's excited about it. She actually gets kind of like pumped up about it, although you get, I guarantee you she's, she's a little nervous as what are people are going to say now that this teenager who's not married is now pregnant. We all know how that story goes, Right? But so she had to face all those giants and carry all that weight, but she did it so gracefully and she did it with such dignity. She did it with such faith. In fact, she shows us essential truth number two, which is this, you're never too insignificant to be used by God. You're never too insignificant. Mary used these words to reflect back on what God's doing in her life when she says, for he, he is God. For God took notice Of his what, lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. We do call her blessed, but one thing stands out above a lot of other things. She may have called herself a lowly servant girl, but yet she she still believed wholeheartedly in what God said to her. And I think what happens too often is that we look at our lives and we think of ourselves as insignificant to be used for God and by God. We look at our struggle with sin and we rule ourselves out and we say, well, I'm not qualified to do anything great for God. I'm not qualified to do do anything good for God. I mean, look at my life. I got this sin issue and I I struggle with it. Yeah, well, don't rule yourself out. Don't take yourself out of the game. Don't call yourself insignificant because God knows how to use your life just the way that it is, but he loves you enough he's not going to leave you that way. And as well, don't take yourself off the list of potentials that God wants to use just because you look at yourself and you go, I don't have enough biblical knowledge. I don't have enough like my life group leader or I don't have enough like Pastor Jeff or someone else like my parents or my grandmother. You know what God knows how to do? God knows how to use the Bible knowledge you have to use that to share good news with others. But God loves you enough that he doesn't want you just to cap your Bible knowledge right there. He wants you to continue digging the well. But God knows how to use exactly what you have. So don't call yourself insignificant just because you don't think you have enough Bible wisdom or knowledge. Or maybe some of you feel like, I just lack practical experience. I mean, what can I do for God? You know, I've only been coming to church for two months. Well, evidently you can do incredible things for God unless you think of yourself as insignificant. Yet if you take yourself off the list and put yourself out of the game and put yourself on the bench, then that's where you're going to sit. Mary didn't do that. Even though she saw herself as a lowly servant girl, she didn't take herself out of the game. She didn't even argue with the angel. Like, do you know me? I'm just a young person. I'm just a lowly servant girl. She didn't even use that kind of an argument. In fact, she said things that were just the opposite of that. So here's this young girl, Mary, and one of the things I want you to get through your heart is this. Please, no matter what your age is, or whether it's your kid or it's your grandkid, they're never too young to be used by God. Don't cross our youth off the list because they seem a little crazy at times, right? Or because they're, they're, just a, they're just a kid in grade school. Don't cross them off the list. God knows how to use even those who we would consider to be insignificant. And today, I want to help you understand that a little bit better. And I want to interview two of our adolescents, a teenager and then a child. And I want you to hear from them. I want you to hear their heart. I want you to see through their eyes how they don't see themselves as insignificant. They see themselves as God, God's servant, and how God is using them in great ways. So I want you to welcome with me um, Casey. Casey, come on out here, buddy. Here's your mic, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, hey, listen, tell, tell us a little about yourself. Like, uh, first off, how old are you? How uh, long have you lived around here? Where'd you come from? I'm 16 years old.
1: I moved here from Corpus Christi, and I've been here since about the end of last summer. So. Right on,
0: right on. So, yeah, I mean, do you like this place?
1: Oh, yeah, I love it. Carney's cool. It's a little bit smaller than
0: what I'm used to, but it's yeah? pretty awesome. Okay, so let's get, let's get to it here, all right? Um, I asked you to come and just describe for us how important a relationship with Jesus is to you. So you're 16 years old. Help us understand. And through that camera right there is all of North Platte, you know, all of the venue, and people that will watch this for the rest of your life. So... No pressure. You look at this crowd, you look at this crowd, and you can basically double this crowd that's out there, all right? Right on. All right, so how important is your relationship with God?
1: Oh my gosh, it's so important. Um, in two words, to basically describe my relationship with God, it would be uh, totally dependent because everything I do, I just base my relationship with God. And, and that's how I do everything. That's how I overcome things like my struggles, my temptations, and, and my conflicts, you know? It's all about my relationship with God and where I stand. Wow. Now, you ever take any heat for that? Yeah, quite a bit. Sometimes it's it's hard to, like, fit in with people that are, like, doing stuff in high school, like drinking and things like that, but...
0: Sure. Sure. But you're maintaining the course. Heck, yeah. It's all about (laughs) Jesus, right? (laughs) All right. All right. That's good. That's good. So, obviously, I think I know that you're passionate for God. If we let you preach up here, which maybe that will happen one day... Um, these people would understand more about how passionate you are for God. I think what I want to ask you is, how do you continue to fuel that passion for God? <laughs> That's an easy one. Um, basically,
1: what fuels my passion for God is when I go to church and I invite my friends and I see their lives just radically changed. When, hmm. when, um, when they see the hope and, and just the joy and the love of God and just having that in their lives, it's just so amazing and it just makes me want to go crazy for God,
0: you know? <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. So it's not just about what God's doing in you, it's what you see God doing through you, even heck, impacting others. Heck yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Right on. I like that. So, tell me this then, how else do you see God using your life then in ministry, whether it's now or it's in the
1: future? Um, okay, so basically now I'm a I have a leadership position downstairs in the youth ministry on Wednesdays and that's awesome. That's a smart youth pastor, by the way,
0: right? Yeah. Because if I had someone like you around, too, I'd have you on the leadership team. That's good. Thank you, sir.
1: Um, But not only now, also in the future, I'm going to join the U.S. Coast Guard, and that's my plans for my future. And I'm going to be moving around all over the coast, and my desire is just to bring praise to God and just allow others to see Christ in me wherever I go, so.
0: Amen. That's great, man. I love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sixteen-year-old, you remember when you were 16? I mean, you had, you had a dream, right? The Coast Guard thing does not surprise me. That's not the part that surprises me. It's, it's, what, it's the living by faith every single day in the face of this culture. I, I, have, I have important news to tell you. Although our world might be turning darker and darker, light is getting brighter and brighter. That's what's happening. That's awesome. That's awesome. When you get a 16-year-old that says, man, you know, I just get all fired up when my my friends come to know Jesus, and I'm able to help them along the way. That is awesome. Guys, let that challenge you all by itself, all right? But, you know, to to take the the stake and to dig it deeper into your heart for a moment, you adults, um, I'm going to have Bethany Hofer come out here and help us out as well, all right? So Bethany, come out here. Give it up for Bethany. Come on. Oh, I love it. Glad to have you here. Yeah. All right. How old are you? I'm ten. You're ten years old. Mm-hmm. Right on. Did you grow up here in Carney? Yes. You did, really. What school do you go to? I'm
2: homeschooled. You're
0: homeschooled? That's awesome. Right. All right, no, this is a this is an important question right now. How many times have you been to the principal's office? Not
1: too many. Okay, all right.
0: Good girl. Good girl. All right. So we're we're talking about out here how important Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're making it personal. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about our individual lives. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to ask you, how important is your relationship, you know, with, with God? Mm-hmm. How important is Jesus to you?
2: I would say he's very important to me because he's my best friend. And about a month ago, Pastor Eric preached a sermon about renewing our hearts and making them clean. And I really think that God was just touching my heart and telling me, come clean. And so, um, at the end, my mom and me went up to the altar and prayed mm-hmm. together, so... It was wow. really meaningful. That
0: was a special moment, huh? Yeah. What did that really mean to you?
2: It told me, I need to be clean, and I know I've stumbled, mm. but he's very important to me.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, and that is grace. He covers mm-hmm. that kind yeah. of stuff, right? So, I know one thing about you. I mean, you are definitely not shy, <laughs> right? And we've seen you up here on this stage at different times, and you can act like no other, all right? <laughs> and in some ways, I'm a little jealous about that. All right, but... Beyond those things, I know this, that you, that you really are passionate for Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What What keeps you passionate for Jesus?
2: Well, he gives me joy, especially when I'm playing the piano and singing for him, because he's given me this magnificent gift.
0: Mm, right. Yeah. So you'll sometimes just what? You'll play the piano and mm-hmm. just sing and yeah. just spend time in personal worship with him?
2: Yeah,
0: sometimes. Wow. That's cool. hmm That's cool. So what about... So we're dealing with this faith, right? Faith in God mm-hmm. and how it's re- faith is required to serve God. Mm-hmm. So in what ways are you serving God? Like, In what ways do you see yourself involved in ministry
2: mm-hmm. right
0: now, even at this young age?
2: Yeah, I'm involved in a group called Exalt where we lead children's worship. And I think that that could be a really good stepping stone for leading high school worship. And so um, I think that I'm going to do that, but...
0: Yeah. So the exalt. Yeah. The exalt I team.
2: also help my mom put on funerals and things like that. And yeah. I think that, that too.
0: Yeah. So serving people mm-hmm. and preparing yourself and just you're working on this exalt team so that God can keep preparing you for everything he wants to do in your future. Yeah. Right? And you're having a lot of fun with that? Yes. All right. So I got a guy. I have a thousand dollars. I'll give you a thousand dollars if you don't, if you decide not to serve Jesus. What do you think?
2: Why would I take the money? Okay, hold on. Let's think of a
0: better one. I know a guy. I know a guy mm-hmm. that has a million dollars. I don't have it, but I know a guy that has a million dollars. What do you think now? I
2: wouldn't take
0: the money. Way to go. No. That's what I love. I love it. All right, give me a hug. Ah, you did good. You did good. How about a shake from Sonic? All right. Okay. Just joking. I digressed. Um, yeah, my bad. <laughs> two, two young people, man, f- from, from the f- those who are going to be leading the church in the future, teenager, and just a, a young girl, passionate for God, just, they don't even know what the future holds. I mean, from our, a- our age right then to where we are now, life has taken so many twists and turns, right? See, that's why I'm coming back to, it's about the f- simple faith steps, It's about taking one step after another. That's how you get led right into the crosshairs of what God wants for your life. And you never get too old to do that. And you're never too insignificant for God to use you in that way. It's about you and me taking the simple steps of faith, which leads us smack dab right into the middle of the last essential truth, essential truth number three, right here, adding it to the wall, which is this. Faith is required to serve God. I know, the whole sermon title was Faith in Service, but faith is required. Not just faith to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but also the faith to let Jesus be your true leader. Let him help you make those, those critical decisions that you need to make throughout the day. Hebrews eleven six 6 tells us that, it's, that without faith, listen, it's impossible to please God. So that really brings me to the question, what is faith then? And out of Luke chapter 1, we're just going to look at a couple of things that define what faith is. So if you're going to write anything down, you're definitely going to probably want to pay attention to these next couple of things that we're just going to quickly go through to help you understand out of Luke chapter 1, what is faith? Faith requires first obedience to God. If you want to have faith that really serves God, faith requires obedience to God. Take a look at Luke chapter 1 verse 6 says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to what? Careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. These guys were just faithfully, day in and day out, giving themselves to God's Word, to God's service. They weren't totally worried about God's plan and God's call. They were more committed to just being faithful and living out God's word in their life for that very moment. And that's what God's calling you and me to as well. They were allowing God to transform the way that they think. They were allowing God to transform the way that they acted towards others. They were allowing God to transform even their time and how they invested their time and, you know, their priorities. Very much like this, this whole training that's going on with CrossFit right now. I mean, this thing is just taking off like a storm across America. Um, it's awesome. I don't do it yet, yet. But uh, I mean, it's pretty intense, right? And if you give yourself to a CrossFit type of a training program physically, then it's gonna alter a lot. It's gonna alter the way you eat. It's gonna alter your hours in your day. It's gonna even alter uh, many of your life choices. But in the end, your life, your, your physical being gets transformed. That's what should happen with faith. Faith should be the very same thing. Real faith should drive us. It should activate a strong desire to obey God more than anything else, and be like Zachariah and Elizabeth, who they were just sold out. They were just sold out. I mean, they could have lived the rest of their life without a son. They would have still stayed faithful to God, because that's the people they were. And you know what God's asking for you and me? If we want to walk ourselves right into the crosshairs of God's perfect plan for our life, be faithful in obeying God day in and day out. It's about the little things that add up to the big thing. The second thing we see in Luke chapter one about faith is that faith requires a dependence on God. A dependence on God. Take a look with me in verse 13. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. A dependence on God. Notice what the angel says to Zechariah. Zechariah, God has heard Your prayer. See, an interesting thing about Zachariah is that he didn't go out and try to make his son, um, you know, come about without God. He didn't go out and try to adopt someone, you know. He didn't. uh, He didn't try any other any other process of sin to maybe sleep with some other woman and to have a to have a child that even though a baby wasn't coming between him and his wife, he kept faithful. His dependence was on God. God, if you want us to have a son, then you'll give us a son. If you want us to have a son, then you'll provide for us. And his dependence was completely on God. He realized he can't make anything great happen out of his own ingenuity or his own ability. The only great things that were going to happen we're going to be if God allowed them to happen. So his faith became something where he trusted in God, but he also trusted in God's timing. He lived his life very much like a trust fall every single day. You know a trust fall where you, you get up on the ledge and all your buddies get behind you and they put their arms out and you fall back into their arms? Have you ever done that before, by the way? Anybody? It's, it's kind of scary. You start wondering to yourself, um, is that friend really a good friend, Right? If I fall, are they going to be gone and they're going to laugh standing over here by the tree? And so you just close your eyes and you fall and they catch you. And what an incredible sensation when they catch you. Well, that's how God wants us to live our lives every single day. A total dependence on God. Living day by day as each day is a trust fall into God's arms. So a real practical thing that maybe you can kind of get inside of your heart to help remind you to, to put your total dependency on God is stop, drop, and pray. You know how stop, drop, and roll when you're on fire? Stop, drop, and pray. When, when you're feeling the, the fire of this life trying to drive its way you know, in, into your heart or drive its way into your eyesight and, and causing you to put your dependency on what you can do and what your hands can do and what your wealth has created, stop, drop, and pray. Stop, drop to your knees spend some time praying, saying, God, I need my dependency to be on you. It might be that God wants to use one of your resources to deal with a difficult situation that you're facing. But it also might mean that God's going, no, you wait. You wait for me because I'm going to show myself and I'm going to do something supernatural, which really leads us to another part of faith that we find in Luke chapter 1. Faith requires believing in God's power. That's what you find When you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 37, when the angel spoke to Mary and said these words, Mary, for nothing is impossible with who? With God. Nothing is impossible with God. Is that what you believe? I'm afraid that we in America believe that, you know, there are most things are possible with God, but then there's that other group of things that only I can do. (laughs) Either all things are possible with God or nothing is impossible with God. I wanna challenge you and encourage you. When you look around at this incredible world that we live in, you look around and say, God, you're the one that created it. You're the one who designed it. You're the one who controls it. You're the one that's ultimately in control. When things are going good in my life and even when things are going bad. See, you don't need a miracle only when things are all screwed up in your life. Well, that's when we want a miracle, like God. God, everything's everything's falling apart. You know, so-and-so is sick and everything's, oh man, God, I don't don't know what's going on. God, we need a miracle. That's when we typically come to God and say, God, we need a miracle when everything falls apart. But you do realize, right, that every single day you need a miracle. Every single day you need to to have a, a point in the day where you're experiencing the power of God. Did you realize it's as easy as this? God, thank you for the miracle of that next breath that you gave me. God, thank you for the miracle of a beautiful, wonderful wife that you gave me. God, thank you for the miracle of the incredible grandchildren you've put in my life. It could be as easy as us recognizing that God is ultimately in control and his power is at work. You and I need to remind ourselves we don't just need miracles when life's screwed up. We need miracles every day. And when we live with that kind of an attitude, believing that God is ultimately the one that's total, totally in, in control and in power, that's the kind of faith that starts pleasing God. That's the kind of faith that causes you to walk right straight into the crosshairs of seeing God do some exceptional things in your life. The last one is this, that faith requires committing to God's way. It requires committing to God's way. Take a look with me in verse 38. When Mary, after hearing the angel say to her, Mary, even as a, as a youth, you're going to become pregnant and you're going to give birth to the Messiah, Mary responds, I am, what, the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. Those are powerful words, guys. Profound words out of the mouth of a teenager. Just like some of the profound words we just heard out of these teenagers. They, it was spoken back then, even through the mouth of Mary. That, okay, you've called me to do this, you've put me in this spot, and you're telling me right now I, I basically, I have no choice, I've become pregnant, okay, I'm in, I'm going for it, I'm, I'm going to be the best mother to Jesus that I could ever be, I'm, I'm going to give it all, I'm going to sell out, I'm going to go for it. It's very much similar to a moment where you're in a situation and you're talking with someone and you sense that your heart's beating and God's telling you, share your faith with that friend like, like uh, Cassie does. Casey does, excuse me. You know that? That moment where Casey was saying, I share my faith with my friends. Sorry about that, dude. I share my faith with my friends, and, uh, and I get so excited about it. It's that moment where God puts you in that place, and you share your faith with your friend. That's like Mary being put in that place where she finds out you're going to give birth to Jesus. I'm not trying to degrade the moment of this woman who gives birth to our Savior I'm just trying to say that when God puts you in a situation and he says that he wants you to commit yourself to his ways, that's what he means. He might mean at times, open up your mouth and share your faith. That's the most bold thing you can do. That's the most faithful thing you can do right now. It might also mean praying with a friend, even if you're right there in the, in the aisle way of High V. You don't have to be at church to do those things. It might be meeting with a friend over coffee just to share spiritual wisdom with them. It might mean taking a passage of scripture and sharing it with a friend who needs godly wisdom right now. It also might mean giving financially when God gives you the opportunity. Just being in the place where God wants you, sensing what what He wants you to do, and just acting at that very moment, not trying to calculate it all and figure it all out. Just seizing the moment, committing to God's ways. There's a lot of people in in the Bible that did this. Let me wrap up with this. Hebrews chapter 11, it's full of people who lived this very type of faith. They lived a faith, you know, that was committed. It was committed to, you know, follow God in every way. It was a faith that required obedience to God. It was a faith that required dependence on God. It was a faith that believed in God's power, and it was a faith that was committed to God's ways. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about by faith, Abel offered God a great sacrifice. That by faith, Enoch at at one point was taken up to even be with God in heaven. That by faith, Noah was warned about things not yet seen. Um, And he goes on to build the ark. By faith, Abraham moves from where he lived to a land that God called him to. That by faith, Even in Abraham's old age, he trusted God to bring him a son by the name of Isaac. That by faith, Abraham, it says that when God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. And it goes on and on. That by faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses' parents. By faith, Moses. And it even goes on to say other things like, by faith, the people of Israel passed through the Red Sea. That by faith... The Israelites marched around the city of Jericho until the walls fell down. And then all of a sudden, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, hold on. It goes from these big name people to this whole group of people that marched around the city and went through the the Red Sea. To all of a sudden now, a prostitute's listed in the list of people with great faith. The prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed when those who was not killed with those who were disobedient. And then all of a sudden it starts saying, by the way, I don't have time to finish it. There's many two people to mention the author of Hebrews is writing. And he goes, such as, you know, Gideon and Samson and David and Samuel and on and on and on. He basically is saying this, there's so many people that have lived by such great faith, I don't have enough time to mention them all. So let me ask you this question today. why can't your name be added to that list? If that list is somewhere in heaven and it's gone down to all those names, hasn't there been, hasn't there been other names? Like maybe even my grandmother who gets added to that list. Or maybe a grandparent of yours that gets added to that list. Why can't your name be added to that list of people that are known for living with great faith? It's as simple as this. Being faithful to serve God in the small things ends up allowing your name to be one that's associated with great names. They got there one day at a time, guys. They got there by being faithful in the small things and that God did the great things in their life. Abraham didn't even know where he was moving to when God called him to move, but he did it anyways. See, you don't always know the plan, You don't always get the clear call. But one thing I I guarantee you that you will get, you will get this. You will walk yourself right into the crosshairs of God's perfect plan for your life if you just simply live by faith every day. The simple things, those four elements of faith that we talked about out of Luke chapter one. So in closing today, what element of faith is God asking you to submit your life to is it one where you just it's more about obedience right now then good run after that today maybe it's out of committing to god's ways good commit yourself to god's ways maybe it's a faith of trusting in god's power good put yourself in a place keep trusting in god's power maybe it's just sheer dependence on god good Whatever it is, you run after that today because that's gonna, more, that's gonna walk you right into the crosshairs of putting yourself right in the perfect place to fulfill God's plan and God's purpose in your life. And so whatever it is the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today, I want you to use one of our altars at one of our venues just to come and submit your heart and say, God, this is where you're calling me. This is what I sense you're speaking to me. Help me to be that man or woman that lives that life. And use the altars because the altars are for the hungry. Why don't you stand and let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much that you are a faithful God, that you are a God of wisdom, you are a God of power. Lord, you do want to transform our lives day after day after day. And Lord, I'm blown away at the times when I consider how you desperately want to use us in profound ways. You want to use us to impact the world around us. May we be like Mary who says, I'm just your servant. I might be a lowly servant, but I'm just a servant. Have your way in me. May we be like Zechariah and Elizabeth that are able to trust you way into, the, way into the elderly years of their life. May we trust you, uh, Lord, all the days of our lives. May we be a person that you look upon and you say, that's a person of faith. That's a person who puts their dependence in me. That's a person who allows me to have my way. That's a person who believes that all things are possible. That's a person who loves, loves me enough to obey me. Whatever that you are speaking to each of these people that are here today, God, may we be people that just simply say yes to you today. May we come, Lord, to the altar, the altar of the hungry, and kneel down and say, God, have your way in me. Have your way in me, God.